Hey, thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Shooting It Straight with the Rosses. We hope this episode blesses you as we share the things God has placed on our hearts this week. And don't forget to follow us on our social media platforms. We're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Just search Shooting It Straight to connect with all our encouraging thoughts, posts, and updates. Love y'all. Hi, welcome back to Shooting It Straight with the Rosses. Tonight we're going to hit the Song of Solomon, talk about intimacy and the love of the Father. So, uh, hope you enjoy. Yeah, we're going to have so much fun tonight. Um, I love the Song of Songs. Um, this is just such an amazing, beautiful book, and um, I hope you're all having a good week this week. And I know that this, uh, this has really blessed my life, what I've gotten from this book, and I hope it blesses you guys and throughout this week, you know coming up soon whenever you guys decide to watch it I don't know some people might watch it in the middle or some some might watch it in the end but no matter what I just hope that it blesses uh, blesses your week and so you have anything you want to say? No I just I just really like this book I know um, when I first read it I didn't really understand what it was about yeah and uh, it was a little creepy and uh, I was like I didn't really catch like this is a picture of of Jesus and, and we're his lovers and how he pursues our hearts and I remember once someone explained that to me and I read it for the first time without understanding and like it just it just set my heart on fire like it was just incredible to me to be loved that way um so intimately and so passionately yeah. you know so I mean same's true for me like when I first read it and Especially, like, for me, a translation change was everything for me. Because when I first tried to read it, it was in the New King James. and um, I mean, I could understand it. You know, I could read it. I wasn't like I had a problem with the New King James Version, but there was just some stuff in there. Like, again, I didn't put two and two together of that being Jesus looking to us, his bride. And so I just saw this dude saying this girl's neck is like the Tower of Babel. And I'm like, what? holy cow <laughs> what do you mean like that's a horrible thing to call a woman but um so there's all these different metaphors and things in there and I was like man this guy's doesn't have very strong game if that's how he like compliments a woman you know your hair's like flocks of goats like so anyway figuring um a, the right translation for me was a lot to do with it too like what we're going to be reading it out of tonight is the passion translation and uh, the first time I ever read this book in this translation, man, it just revolutionized the way I looked at uh, my relationship with Christ. So, anyway, I hope you guys enjoy it for sure. Yeah, I think, it's, I think it's written a little more like a love letter in the Passion Translation. Yeah. It's like Jesus' love letter to us, you know. Because our relationship with Christ should be like a wild love affair anyway. And this just exemplifies that, you know. Just, yeah. That's good. <clears throat> Do you remember the first time you read it? Mm-hmm. You yeah. went to church school, though, so I feel like they probably somehow, ex- I don't know, did they even explain it to you? Did you read it in church school? Or was it no, like- not really. Um, no, that was something I read on my own at a bit later time, you know, so. But did you understand, like, what it was? What it was about? Uh, Yeah, I understood what it was, but like you said, I didn't get the full trans, you know, like seeing it in a different translation really helped me to, uh, it helped open it up to me a little more. 
that and just hearing, you know, people like, you know, Eric Gilmore and people talk about, you know, like, you know, the intimacy and the wild love affair and the, you know, and the intimate little kisses, you know, because, you know, you know, I love how he says that, you know, you know, you want to go and be with a bridegroom, but, you know, when it says he doesn't know you, that means you didn't sit there and lay in the kisses, you know, he never kissed you. So, and that can sound super weird. And it does sound super Especially weird. Especially for a dude. Sure. You know, hearing that with the mind of Jesus, another, in your mind, you know, male figure. Right. Um, it can sound super weird, but right. when you understand that it's really just... Well, if you can be a son, I can be a bride. So, <laughs> you know, and uh, I don't know, it's just, you know... But not like, everybody's able to make that leap, though. Sure. You know, I get sure. that you get it now. But, you know, some for some people, that's got to sound super, yeah. super creepy. It was super hard for me to make that leap. Oh, yeah. But the first time I ever heard Eric Gilmore, I, I mean, like I, I might have said this in a previous uh, podcast, too. Like, man, I just was super weirded out by the way he was talking about that. And, and, and just in reading the Song of Songs and hearing him speak about it, and I was just like, man, this is just, it's really weird. And for a, a guy, it sounded borderline homosexual. And... It was just like super weird for me to cross that over that, you know, an intimate love relationship, not just like Jesus is a friend, Jesus is my savior, but like those are things that I can grasp, but I had never understood Jesus as a lover to know Jesus as my husband, which is super weird to say as a man, but whenever I sat down and read this, I, I talked and prayed to God and was like, God, just remove all of the perversion, the twisted, distorted things that the world's tried to cloud my mind with so that way I can come to the scriptures rightly. And I want to grasp the revelation of intimacy with you in a way that is like a lover. And um, Brian Guerin talks about how, in his personal opinion, but you know, just throughout scriptures, he sees like one of the most beautiful ways that we can relate to God is as a bride. You know, we, we can be a friend. We can be, you know, uh, his servants. We can be all these different things that scripture paints us out to be. We can be like clay in the potter's hand, you know, all these things. But the most beautiful relationship that is described and the one that I think Jesus likes the most, like you hear him talk about the most, Mm-hmm. Is the relationship of a bride <clears throat> that we are his bride? Yeah, and <clears throat> even the bridegroom, because like you know, in Jewish culture, the bridegroom goes away, and he makes a place for his for his bride. He makes the beautiful home, and he gets everything just perfect, so that when he comes and gets her, he brings her to that. You yeah. know what I mean? So you know, Jesus went away to what to prepare a place for you. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So it, it's just beautiful how they how they're just hand in hand like that and uh you know and and it even like sex was meant to uh show our, our spiritual relationship with jesus anyway it was meant to reflect that so you know i mean so it doesn't you know it takes some of the weirdness away you know and even jesus said to the sadducees and the pharisees you know he's like they were trying to trip him up and like, well, you know, who marries her if, you know, this brother dies and this brother dies and this brother dies and, you know, he's like, you got it wrong. All intimacies and ecstasies are found in the Lord in heaven. You find everything is in him. It's gazing upon his beauty. 
Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. I'll say when I first read this, it was, um, and every time I've read it, really, like for me, being a female, and I feel like we're kind of born um, with just this um, desire for like that Prince Charming, you know? That's why the Disney movies are so um, are so popular, you know? There's this idea of uh, a prince that's going to take you to his kingdom. He's going to arrive on a white horse. He's going to sweep you away. And you're kind of born with this desire for that, which is truly a desire for Jesus. Um, but we're born, a lot of us, not all of us, but a lot of women are born with this romantic idea of Prince Charming, of of like someone loving you like that, someone speaking about you in such a way that makes you feel beautiful and desired and and captivating and wanted and you know this as we'll get into this you know the the Shulamite woman didn't necessarily think of herself as a as a beautiful woman she was ashamed you know because her her skin was brown and she'd been in the sun and and you know just maybe wasn't didn't feel as beautiful as some of the other women. But he just told her how beautiful he, she was in his eyes. And, and she saw her imperfections. And he saw her beauty. And I mean, that to me is like something that just speaks to the, to the born-in desires a woman has in her heart. And then like to think about that relationship with Jesus where we, we see all the things, all the, all the things that we've done, all the things that we even continue to do sometimes after... Um, after salvation and and we're just like oh you know i'm 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 not a prize to be won i'm i you know so many people give in that works mentality and that trying to be good enough and all of that and um and jesus is just like no you're captivating to me like he knows all that he knows it exists but you're still captivating to him i just think that's so beautiful so i think we should just dive right in we're 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 all loving this, <laughs> but I think it's just yeah. awesome to share this, you know, as a group. Yeah, and so um, I'm going to also, when I go through, I'm going to read where it says, like, the Shulamite and then, like, the Shepherd King, so that way they can kind of keep up with the banter back and forth. Um, <clears throat> just understanding, too, that the Shulamite is you. And so whenever we're reading this, I don't want you... For me personally, I don't know. I don't know. For me, I, I would want you to hear this, that whenever you hear the shepherd king, that this is Jesus speaking to you. And you might relate with some of the things that the Shulamite, which is a representation of you. Um, so just kind of put yourself in that perspective that the Shulamite is you and the king, the shepherd king is Jesus. I just read ahead like four lines and I'm already getting tears in my eyes. <laughs> this is going to be bad. First, first thing, divine Hold romance. Hold up. Hold like, yeah. <laughs> Song of Songs, Divine Romance. The Most Amazing Song of All by King Solomon. The Shulamite. Let him smother me with kisses. His spirit kiss divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink them in like the sweetest wine. Your presence releases a fragrance so pleasing, over and over poured out. For your lovely name is flowing oil. No wonder the brides to be adore you. Draw me into your heart. We will run away together. 
into the uh, king's cloud-filled chamber. The chorus of friends. We will remember your love, rejoicing and delighting in you, celebrating your every kiss as better than wine. No wonder righteousness adores you. The Shulamite. Jerusalem maidens, in this twilight darkness, I know I am so unworthy, so in need. The shepherd king. Yet, you are so lovely. The Shulamite. I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads. The shepherd king. Yet, you are so lovely. Like the fine linen, linen tapestry hanging in the holy place. The Shulamite to her friends. Please don't stare in scorn because of my dark and sinful ways. My angry brothers quarreled with me and appointed me guardian of their ministry vineyards. Yet I have not tended my vineyard with them. Won't you tell me, lover of my soul, where do you feed your flock? Where do you lead your beloved ones to rest in the heat of the day? For I wish to be wrapped all around you as I wander among the flocks of your shepherds. It is you I long for, with no veil between us. The shepherd king, listen, my radiant one. If you ever lose sight of me, just follow in my footsteps where I lead my lovers. Come with your burdens and cares. Come to the place near the sanctuary of my shepherds. My dearest one, let me tell you how I see you. You are so thrilling to me. To gaze upon you is like looking at one of Pharaoh's finest horses, a strong, regal steed pulling his royal chariot. Your tender cheeks are aglow, your earring and gem-laden necklaces set them ablaze. We will enhance your beauty, encircling you with our golden reins of love. You will be marked with our redeeming grace. The Shulamite. As the king surrounded me at his table, the sweet fragrance of my praise perfume awakened the night. A sash of myrrh is my lover, like a, tip, like a tied up bundle of myrrh resting over my heart. He is like a bouquet of henna blossoms, henna plucked near the vines at the fountain of the lamp. I will hold him and never let him part. The shepherd king. Look at you, my dearest darling. You are so lovely. You are beauty itself to me. Your passionate eyes are like gentle doves. The Shulamite. My beloved one, both handsome and winsome, you are pleasing beyond words. Our resting place is anointed and flourishing like a green forest meadow bathed in light. Rafters of cedar branches are over our heads and balconies of pleasant smelling pine. Well, that's the first chapter. Man, there's just so much in this. And um, I want to read as much as we can, too. So. <laughs> but I feel like we're not doing it justice to try to rush it. No, I'm not trying to rush it, but there's like... It's a progression story, so like I hate to just leave it. Well, I understand that, but like to not just sit here and, and think about... Like, there's just power words in here like yeah uh, so much symbolism and so much uh, I, there's just a lot yeah. in here and I would hate to just rush through it because we're excited we want to read the whole thing but I think that it, it 
would be good to just kind of go back and, and just kind of talk about what's in this first part here, you know? Yeah, for sure. Um, Number one thing that stood out to me was, if you ever lose sight of me, just follow in my footsteps where I leave my lovers. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it says it all right there. Well, I think to expound on it, I would say for anyone that has seen their relationship with God drift, if, you know, oh, I hear so many people say, like, oh, I ain't been to church in a while. Oh, man, I really ought to get back into church. I, I, I used to have a relationship with God, and I, I really ought to read my Bible more. Uh, I really ought to start, you know, worshiping a little more, turn on some Joy FM or whatever. But that's all wrong. That Those things are great. Yes, do those things. But that's not your first step. Right. The first step is like he said, like what you just said. To look at him. No, to follow me where I lead my lovers. That's the prayer closet. Go to your secret place. Meet with him. Shut the door behind you so that no one can be there just you and him and have a meeting with God about your heart and just say hey it's been a long time that's where you find him it's yes it's great to encounter the Lord in church circles it's great to encounter him in worship songs on the radio it's great to you know have all these different avenues that we go to you know even the Bible it's great to go to those things but that should never be our first go-to. It should always be, let me meet with him one-on-one. Because yeah. he's my lover. He's, he is. He is my... You don't just... If you're having marital issues, you don't just go straight to a counselor. You don't go straight to a friend. You don't go straight to whatever, a 1-800 number to try and fix your problems. No, you, you go to the person first. Say, hey, I'm having an issue. Mm-hmm. And I think the same is true here. Like he's saying, come come t- to me. If you've lost sight of me, come to the place where I leave my lovers. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to go back to, uh, I mean, just verse 2, where she said, <laughs> Let him smother me with kisses, his spirit kiss divine. So kind are your caresses. I drink him like the sweetest wine. And I had read in the footnotes um, where it talks about um, letting him. And I just thought this this was worth sharing. Um, To enter the doorway of Jesus' heart, we must begin by saying, let him. We only bring him a yielded heart and must let him do the rest. God's loving grace means that he will be enough for us and we can let him be everything to us. And this is where it got, you know, really stood out to me. It says, we don't begin by doing, but by yielding. The letting him. Yeah. You know, it's that cracking open of the door yeah. and allowing Jesus in. Um, you know, and that's not just when you accept him as your Savior. Yeah. That's a daily cracking open of the door and letting him in afresh every day. Yeah. And and inviting him to, to smother you with kisses and mm. to... Um, to drink them like the sweetest wine. Like mm. there's nothing sweeter than those tender moments with God. You know? Yeah. And you can just tell when those kisses are absent. Right. You know? 
Uh, you can just tell, for myself included, man, you just get, life has a way of beating you down, and leaves you hard and calloused, and, you know, it's just crap happens. And over time, you just start to see, like, your, your, the fruits of the Spirit start to dissipate, you know, that gentleness, that peace, that love, the, everything, you just start to become just, like, hardened. And, like, you, that's evidence for me that the kisses are absent, you know? Mm-hmm. If those kisses aren't there in your relationship, you know, like, I think romantically, if you don't kiss your spouse, at least not every once in a while, like, there is a something special about a physical connection, yeah. you know? And I think that that just needs to be, uh, it just needs to be something that happens frequently. Yeah, I think that's where you lose sight, too. He yeah. says, if you lose sight of me, you know, yeah. well, if you're not spending that intimate time and the, that personal connection, then you are going to lose sight of him. Yeah. You, know, you know, I actually was just listening to Eric Gilmore before I came over here, and he, he gave scriptural reference of how um, out of the abundance of the heart and mouth speaks, but also he says that the... Um, he says that your eyes are connected to your heart, too. I'll have yeah. to go back and, and look on what he said specifically which scripture it was but it was something that Jesus had talked about and um, and he was even talking about that where, there, where your heart isn't well where your heart isn't lit up then your eyes won't be lit up either you know basically mm-hmm. just like it'll affect your vision if your heart's dim then you're like your eyes are going to be dim right mm-hmm. and so anyway yeah, that's good. Um, something that really gets me is I love in verse 11 where he says, we will enhance your beauty and circling you with our golden reins of love and you will be marked with our redeeming grace. I love the we there because it's reference to the Trinity. That it's not just Jesus, but it's the Holy Spirit and the Father. And again, we're just in that divine ballroom dance of just being engulfed in his love. And I love that being engulfed and circled by the golden reins of his love, it actually enhances our beauty. That there is something about a count, the countenance of a man that changes when he's been encircled by love. Yeah. And I, I can always tell, not that I'm being judgmental, but it's just, it, you can't deny it. I know when I see somebody... I know if they're truly a lover of God. It's just evident. There's a grace on their lives. There's a grace. Just like I said, we will, you'll be marked by a redeeming grace. They, there's something different about them. Their face just yeah. looks different. They, they talk different. They walk different. And it's the same is true for a young man who's in love, a first love. And they're just... People usually get annoyed by it. Oh, that young lover talk of how they're always just gushing over their loved one, this and that. And I think, first of all, it's, that's moronic. You should be able to fawn over your loved one as long as you want. And yeah, to other people, that might seem, oh, whatever, just keep that to yourself. But that's only because their heart's been hardened. Right. I don't know. Maybe I'm off. But I, for me personally, I think the same is true with the relationship with God, though, is that we should always keep that first love demeanor towards the Lord. 
yeah. always just staying super passionate, super excited, super just head over heels in love with him the best that we can. And I understand that sometimes things happen and we have to let him reignite that first love passion within us because sometimes just we get off track. But he's faithful to bring us back to that place, I think. I like how Eric Gilmore puts exactly that into like a practical term, you know, you know, like he's, you know, you know, like when we're singing our love and our praise and our worship to him and to, he was watching the movie Cinderella and you ever see her when she's dancing and she's, so this is love, la 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 la, you know, yeah. it's that she's so swept up by, it's swept, swept up in the love that she's got a twirl, she's got a song in her heart, she's, you know, it's yeah. that love relationship is what you have to have with the Lord yeah. to to be free. Well, it's what ignites. You know? It's what ignites beautiful <laughs> worship. Yeah. Like you see people in church <laughs> who are singing, you know, and they're singing, and, yeah. and there's nothing wrong with that. They just haven't learned how to worship yet. Right. And you know, some people look like they're under arrest, you know, <laughs> but but they're they're learning, they're engaging. Yeah. Sure. But then you see those people who are spinning. Who are just like free, who are yep. just like, you know, just so in love, they just can't help but express it yep. in, in, in fullness. And I think that's always so beautiful to me. I love when people are so free in worship. Yeah. Um, I love the scripture that says that, you know, that God, uh, that God sings over the top of you. Yeah, and if so you look it up, yeah, and if, you, and if you look it up in the original text, it, that word singing actually means to sing and dance so it's like he's spinning and twirling over the top of you yeah. as he's you know as he's yeah. just loving on you yeah and just sleeping and, and yeah. It's, yeah it's just beautiful something I'm going to try and talk about I don't know if I can but I'm going to try <laughs> is um, something that hit me before too but every time I read it it hits me but uh, you see the Shulamite in these few chapters in verse 5 and I'm going to read through um. Uh, yeah. No, just five. I'll just read five. It's a lot longer than I thought it was going to be. Um. You see her bring and address these issues, and she brings to him these problems in her own eyes. And you see in Jesus's well, in the Shepherd King, but in Jesus's response. In his response is the answer to her issue. Mm -hmm. oh. <clears throat> Jerusalem maidens in this twilight darkness, I know I am so unworthy, so in need. Yet you are so lovely. I feel as dark and dry as the desert tents of the wandering nomads. Yet you are so lovely. Like the fine linen tapestry hanging in the holy place. Whenever we feel, because I've heard so many people, including myself, I used to use this terminology until I learned it wasn't biblical. Um, now I'm just in a dry season. Oh, I just feel so dry. I'm in a dry season. There's no such thing as a dry season. A dry season insinuates that God is putting us through the dryness. Our relationship with God is completely dependent upon how much we seek Him. 
He he's opened the heavens. He's done everything on his part. So oh, I love I have this quote. Oh, oh so good. It's Eric Gilmore. Really? Of course it is. <laughs> could we quote him one more time in this one? Yeah, you could. <laughs> I love this. He says, God is not responsible for an inconsistent experience of him. That is what I'm getting at. That there's no such thing as a dry season. Um, But anyway, but even if so, you feel that way. That you feel dry. You feel just weary. And um, you, you feel like you're unworthy. You feel like so you're just covered in shame it looks like coming to him and him saying to you you are so lovely he reaffirms your identity yeah. he, he comes and he lets you know that those things don't matter don't live by feelings don't live by emotions live under this understanding that you are lovely the world might be telling you something different you might not feel that way But understand the truth of the way I view you. Because that's the only way you need to view yourself. And that is that you are lovely. And to me, that's just so important to have that perspective of Jesus on your life. That perspective of identity. Because as a man think, so he will be. And so if you view yourself as dry and dark and shameful, this and that, that's how you're going to live. Perspective determines reality. But if you live from the perspective of a bride, to know that you know that you know that you are lovely, that you are accepted, then that is important. Anyway, let's continue to read. Well, there's one more thing in here I wanted to touch on. All right, go ahead. I'm going to. I know. <laughs> We're going to get through the whole thing, are we? I wanted to get to chapter it's not three. A race. I wanted to get to chapter three. There's something in that that I really, really like. But anyway. We'll get there. I'm in a rush. I promise. <laughs> so the Shulamite's response in, in 12 and 13, she talks about how, uh, as the king surrounded me at his table, the sweet fragrance of my praise perfume awakened the night. A sachet of myrrh is my lover tied up like a bundle of myrrh resting over my heart and again in the footnotes it talks about how um, this points to our enjoyment of the Lord as we have communion at the Lord's table and then the, um, the, the myrrh that is bundled up is an incredible picture of the cross myrrh is known as the uh, embalming spice and it's always associated with suffering the suffering love of Jesus will be over her heart for the rest of her days. The revelation of our beloved tied onto the cross like a bundle of myrrh. Like, I just think that is so beautiful. And I, I read that one time. Man, I wish I could find that again because I'd love to brush up on that. But um, it was talking about how, you know, brides didn't necessarily smell great back then because we had a whole lot of, you know, bath baths and all that cleanliness stuff going on and uh but they would put these sachets you know in in on over their hearts and near their breasts and and it would help release that aroma 
and there was this constant incense um, that was being released to their lover over, you know, from their hearts. And I just always thought that was so cool, um, you know, that when I think about offering them an incense that's pleasing to the Lord and, um, you know, just having that place of your heart, like the place that your heart rests, the, the place that, um, that everything comes from, you know, yeah. your love for him, your obedience to him, your, your relationship with him, it all comes from your heart and how that offers a, a, a sweet incense to the Lord when you're intimate with him. I don't know. I just, I just really love that. But I, I loved when I realized that this was um, symbolic of Jesus on the cross, yeah, and how she wore his sacrificial blood over her heart all the time. Yeah, it reminds me of. Uh, I don't remember. So they talked about whenever Jesus, when Mary came to Jesus, well, who's going to love more? You know, who will love more? The one that was forgiven most. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that was his response. It was right after Mary came and poured the oil out on his, on his feet and stuff. And they asked him, this person, this person needs to be forgiven of a debt. Well, the one that was forgiven most was the one that will love, love God the most. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that keeping a revelation of the cross on your heart is a key to divine love in your life is to constantly understand of how much you've been forgiven mm -hmm. to understand how much was actually purchased on the cross to have a real perspective of the cross on your life is actually a divine key to how much you'll love God mm -hmm. that's good yeah. um, anyway Song of Songs chapter 2 this is the Shulamite woman Up. <laughs> I am truly his rose, the very theme of his song. I'm overshadowed by his love, growing in the valley. The shepherd king. Yes, you are my darling companion. You stand out from all the rest. For though the curse of sin surrounds you, still you remain as pure as a lily, even more than all the others. The Shulamite. My beloved is to me the most fragrant apple tree. He stands above the sons of men, sitting under his gray shadow. It blossom, I blossom in his shade, enjoying the sweet taste of his pleasant, delicious fruit, resting with delight where his glory never fades. Suddenly he transported me into his house of wine. He looked upon me with his unrelenting love divine. Revive me with your raisin cakes. Refresh me again with your apples. Help me and hold me, for I am lovesick. I am longing for more, yet how could I take more? His left hand cradles my head, while his right hand holds me close. I am at rest in this love. The promise, or sorry, the shepherd king. Promise me brides to be, by the gentle gazelles and delicate deer, that you'll not disturb my love until she is ready to arise. The Shulamite. Listen, I hear my lover's voice. I know it's him coming to me, leaping with joy over mountains. Tua. Dang. Oh, that got me. <laughs> Ooh. God. That's a Jehovah sneaky. That <laughs> came out of nowhere. Yeah. Woo! Anyway, <clears throat> leaping with joy over mountains, skipping in love over the hills that separate us. 
to come to me. Let me describe him. He is graceful as a gazelle, swift as a wild stag. Now he comes closer, even to the places where I hide. He gazes into my soul, peering through the portal as he blossoms within my heart. The one I love calls to me, the bridegroom king. Arise, my dearest. Hurry, my darling. Come away with me. I have, oh. I have come as you have asked to draw you out, to draw to, oh, sorry, to draw you to my heart and lead you out. For now is the time, my beautiful one. The seasons has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended, and the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. The season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny? <sighs> Breaking forth around you, the early signs of my purposes and plans are bursting forth. The budding vines of new life are now blooming everywhere. The fragrance of their flowers whispers, there is change in the air. Arise, my love, my beautiful companion, and run with me to the higher place. For now is the time to arise and come away with me. This one gets me. <laughs> For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. Ah, it was I who took you and hid you up high in the secret stairway of the sky. Let me see your radiant face and hear your sweet voice. How beautiful your eyes of worship and lovely, and lovely your voice in prayer. You must catch the troubling foxes, that's those sly little foxes that hinder our relationship. For they raid our budding vineyard of love to ruin what I've planted within you. Will you catch them and remove them from me? We will do it together. Yeshua, mm -hmm. I know my lover is mine, and I have everything in you, for we delight ourselves in each other. But until the day springs to life and the shifting shadows of fear disappear, turn around, my lover, and ascend to the holy mountains of separation with me. Without me, sorry. Until the new day fully dawns, run on ahead like the graceful gazelle and skip like the young stag over the mountains of separation. Go on ahead to the mountain of spices and I'll come away another time. Oh, Lord. I couldn't even see the last half of that. <laughs> Man, this right here. It, oh, there's so friggin' much in this. <laughs> But it's so good. One of the things I love... Oh, man. One of the things I absolutely have to hit was the one I said that it always gets me. Is that when, when Jesus says, For you are my dove, hidden in the split open rock. The split open rock actually references uh, to a couple different places. One, whenever Moses was hidden in the cleft of a rock. Yeah. when he saw God pass by the passing presence of the Lord and he got to see the glory of God the, the backside of him 
the other reference uh, is when Jesus is on the cross and they shove that spear through his side. He is the rock on which the church is built upon. And at that moment, he was split open. And one of the things that the Lord spoke to me when reading this about me being hidden in the split open rock. That yeah, just like Moses, that's where I see the glory. But just like in the cross, that split open rock. To be hidden in the wounds of Jesus. There's something so special in that. Because, uh, because it's the direct pathway to his heart. So when they shoved that spear in, they, they shoved it up to hit the heart. And the water and blood f flowed from his heart. And to be hidden in the wounds of Jesus, where his blood and his water flow. That's how That's how we live We live from that place Don't drift from it The best that you can It's such a beautiful place to be oh. As you were reading this I was thinking about Um God's speaking to me through this particular chapter um, several years ago. And uh, it just, it wrecked me. Like, this particular chapter yeah. totally wrecked me. And again, it kind of goes back to um, just that um, that intimate way that, that he touches us uh, in our innermost desires, that that desire to be longed for, you know, and when it talks about he he cradles our head in his hand, you know, God, oh, I can't even <laughs> talk about that. It's just it's so intimate how he just uh, ooh, whatever it is, I don't know because I can't see words at this point, mm -hmm. but you can just see Jesus just holding you there as you lean back, fully lean back. You know, you're trusting him to hold you up. And he's just pouring this love into you. And you're withholding nothing. And there's just this this closeness that you you can't you can't even get that kind of you can't achieve that kind of of love with a human being. Mm -hmm. As much as you might love your spouse as much as you might love your kids. Like you, this level of love that he has for us is so intense. Like no human could ever match that. And when you feel the intensity of that love, it is just, it's just more than you can bear. It's yeah. just... Whew. And I love that at the beginning of whenever he replied that he even... Jesus is always speaking... His blood speaks a better word. Mm -hmm. He's always speaking life over us. And he's saying how, how he's even said the seasons, uh, the season has changed. The bondage of your barren winter has ended. And the season of hiding is over and gone. The rains have soaked the earth and left it bright with blossoming flowers. 
the season for singing and pruning the vines has arrived. I hear the cooing of doves in our land, filling the air with songs to awaken you and guide you forth. Can you not discern this new day of destiny breaking forth around you? And so it just continues to go on and on. I'll even love the, the beautiful poetry here. The fragrance of the flowers whisper, there is change in the air. That, that is Jesus' heart for us. Is he's constantly speaking life and destiny over us. So he's saying, this barren winter you've been living in, I'm calling it out and saying, spring come forth. Yeah. That is our Jesus. And um, something to wrap up on, because I know for time's sakes, we probably need to. Not we didn't do. touch the little foxes. That's what I'm getting ready to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> But that's where we'll wrap up at, just because we don't want to be too long. Okay. Uh, even though we didn't get to chapter three like I wanted, that's all right. <laughs> but uh, yeah, do you want to talk about the little foxes? Yeah, it's just it's beautiful, like those sly little foxes, those little things that catch you up, that keep you from getting into your word and your prayer closet, and yeah. the Sly little foxes don't even have to be sin. It just has to be things that distract you from him. Yeah. And oh, oh, I'm gonna cry. Uh, but they raid our budding vineyard of love. Will you catch them? Will you remove them for me? Are we willing to do that for? For I mean. And then he's like, "Well, let's do it together." Oh, man, that's just, that's beautiful. I mean, the amount, of, the amount of love that Jesus has for us is truly amazing. He's so gentle. And just so... His, his yoke is easy and his burden is light. That even whenever he comes to address our issues and saying that there's little foxes in your vineyard they're hindering our love he still just comes with such a sweetness such a gentleness he says he asks he doesn't demand see he is our lord if anybody has permission to say you need to do this right now to have a parental authoritative tone and you need to get your crap together it would be him. He that's has the right. Parent sounded. <laughs> like that's he has the right to. But his choice, because he loves us, is to come and question form and say, Will you catch him? Will you do it for me? I, I'll tell you what, I'll help you. Let's do it together. Man, it's just, huh, it tears oh, me up. Me. It's just, it's the beauty of Jesus is that if anybody had a right to be strict, to be stern, to be hardened, it would be him, but he's not. He's chosen, eternally chosen, to have his demeanor be love. That that's what he's known, that's what he is. In 1 John, it even says that God is 
love. If you don't know love, you don't know God. <laughs> That's why they, I love when they talk about, like, you know, to hear the voice of God, you got to know his heartbeat, his pattern. And you see it throughout all scripture. You see it here, you know. And then you see it with the, uh, the woman caught in adultery. Everybody's ready to stone her, but Jesus, he's like, I love you. Just don't do it no more. Yeah. Just, you, you can hear the rhythm and the heartbeat and the, yeah. and the flow of his heart, of what he wants, what he wants for, what, you, what he wants for you. I mean, it's, it's just beautiful. I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. Go ahead. No, I think <laughs> we even made up people that have that, that view, and I have in the past, you know, of this, of this God who's just like this judge in this chair, and he's just, you know, just watching you screw up, yeah. and he's just disappointed in you. He's the Godfather you know? instead of God the Father. Right. <laughs> yeah, and, right. And people get this image of God, but when you read this, like, how can that be your image? Yeah. He loves you so much. He's so tender with you. And I, I mean, that... That verse alone is just such a beautiful expression of the way that he loves us. Yeah. And he's like, he, he, you know, God always talks in questions. He, yeah. he does to me anyway. It's always questions. It's will you? Will you let me? Will you, you know, whatever. Yeah. There's always that, are you willing to partner with me? Yeah. Kind of thing. And it's like, I'll even do all the heavy lifting. Yeah. I just am asking if you'll let and it's just, it's so beautiful, and it's so, um, gosh, there's no condemnation in Christ. Yeah. He's, he's not there for that. Yeah. And then as we look like Christ, the Bible says, they'll know you by your love. And they'll know us by our love because we look like him. Mm-hmm. And his love looks like that. It's gentle. It is kind. It is patient. Yeah. It is enduring. Something I love about this encounter that we see between the Shulamite and the Shepherd King. That in this encounter, this back and forth, the very last thing that he talks about is the sin issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He goes on to say, you know, before, oh, you're lovely, you're this, you're that. You are, you know, there's newness, there's destiny. I'm prophesying newness into you. That they are, there's all this beauty, you are hidden in me, I in you. He's coming to reaffirm her, who she is in him. And just like this beautiful unity. And oh, by the way, there's these little things. Yeah. Let's yeah. take care of that together. Like, Jesus is not so focused on your sin, and neither should we. Right. If you become sin conscious... Yeah, that's all you think about. Like, I've just messed up. I'm just keep messing up. Nah, I'm just a screw up. I can't get this right. And you're so... What you behold is what you become. And so if all you have your eyes set on is your sin, then that's all you're going to be. But if you take your eyes off of yourself, first of all, you take your eyes off your sin and just behold him, you'll become like him. Just like you said. Mm-hmm. And it's just so simple. Like, man... People have put so much emphasis on the sin stuff. And yes, we need to live righteously. But that's the last thing on his mind in the scripture. It's like, hey, I love you. I want to see goodness. I want to see this. I want this and that. And oh, by the way, 
Let's take care of this. And I think the same is true with the way he's dealing with us today. That I believe he is calling each one of us to our prayer closets. And if you're watching this in the morning, right now. If you're watching it at night, right now. If you're at work, do it right now. Find time to get alone with him. And have a conversation with him. Because he wants to sit down and, and tell you who you are. You might think you know who you are. But I guarantee you, he knows so much more about who you are than you'll ever know. Let him tell you who you are. Who you are in him. Let him tell you how lovely he is, that you are. And he is. Behold his beauty. And whatever he does, eventually, he may not even this round. <laughs> might just want to just hang out with you. But if he does bring up something that is conviction, not condemnation, deal with it then. Do it together with him. You know? How are we doing on time? We're done. Okay. I figured. <laughs> I figured we were close. Alrighty. Well, let's end in prayer really quick. And then this next week. Yes. Yeah, starting in chapter three, huh? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let me do it. I can't. Yeah, sure. Gotcha. Father God, I just thank you for the intimacy that you purchase on the cross. If it was not for your work on the cross, we would not be able to have this type of relationship. Thank you that I am hidden in that split open rock. Thank you, Jesus. For what you've done so that I could So that together we can get rid of those foxes. We can have the best darn vineyard ever. <laughs> Lord Jesus, I just want to be your friend, your lover. Lord God, if King David can have a Jonathan. King Jesus could have a Jacob. <laughs> I want to be your closest friend. Oh, Jesus, I love you. Oh. Sorry, Lord, this has got to be a quick prayer. So I love you. <laughs> be with us this week. Be with all of our viewers. And just expound upon that revelation of you, of you being a bridegroom to them and them being a bride. Just uh, hit revelation on their heart, Lord God, of just how much you love them, of just how much you're pursuing them, that you are the male in this relationship and you are pursuing us passionately. So just give us eyes to see, ears to hear, 
and a heart to discern the things that you're doing around us. Lord God, I just pray for our viewers that they would encounter you in a deep way this week. Give them dreams and visions. Lord God, I thank you for prophetic words and evangelists coming to them and encouraging them, friends and family in the Christ. Lord, I just thank you for all the things that you're going to do this week in and through their lives that's going to encourage them and build them up and to raise them up strong and mighty in you that they might do the work of the kingdom and expand your kingdom even further. I pray for peace, righteousness, and joy to rest upon the viewers' hearts right now. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Well, thank you for joining us tonight. And um, if you got any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to leave us a comment below. And uh, we'll do our best to get back to you as quick as we can. And uh, we'll see you next week. And we'll continue on in the Song of Solomon. So we love you guys. And uh, have a good rest of your day. <laughs>